This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And here we are in our 10th edition of the HOL podcast. Thanks again for listening here every week. You can also hear us on 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln on Saturday mornings, as well as 1340 KHUB in Fremont on the AM side. And as we start off today's podcast, I'm going to bring in Dan Hoppen and Robin Washett. We're going to lead the show off with basketball. and It doesn't, oh, yeah. happen, doesn't happen a whole lot, guys, here, but uh, basketball has been kind of what's moved the meter um, around the state. And Robin, let, let's talk first uh, with, with the, the big news of Max Bielfeldt uh, visiting Nebraska, the graduate transfer from Michigan. Yeah, it kind of uh, came out of the blue a little bit, but uh, he arrived Wednesday morning on a uh, flight into Lincoln out of Chicago and uh, was greeted by assistant coaches Kenya Hunter and Along Jim with Moore. Robin Washington. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did some reconnaissance work there, but uh, was able to track that down. And uh, yeah, so an interesting development for sure, because obviously uh, he addresses a, a pretty significant need on Nebraska's roster right now as an immediately eligible uh, senior low post player you know he's not the biggest guy in the world the six six eight 245 but uh, you got a you're, you got a big body guy that has knows the big 10 has played a lot of games under his belt uh, he was the sixth man of the year for Michigan last year and uh, had career highs and minutes points and rebounds so uh, you know he, he he's a player that uh, it was kind of interesting with what happened to him at Michigan because when when kind of cares Leverts the the star guard from Michigan's guard or uh, uh, career was kind of in flux with with Michigan of whether he's going to go pro or not. Uh, they kind of recruited to fill his spot, and then all of a sudden Lavert says he wants to come back, and so John Beeline is left with uh, one extra. Uh, commitment on his plate and so uh, they decided to shuffle some things around and unfortunately for Max uh, he was the guy that was kind of the odd man out and so there was a potential for him to stay at Michigan as a walk-on but uh, I don't think he was necessarily interested in that and uh, you know initially uh, you know the rule is you you can't transfer within contract especially as a fifth year guy uh, or a conference I should say yeah Uh, and uh, that he got one an appeal earlier this week that he could transfer within the Big Ten because you know his decision to leave wasn't necessarily his own doing and so uh you know that opened the doors up and nebraska was his first big 10 visit and uh certainly looked to be you know one of the leading candidates to land him now if that name sounds familiar husker fans uh befell he had one of his better games against nebraska um earlier this season 12 points nine rebounds in a 58 44 michigan win robin just kind of what does he bring to the table uh, as far as his on-the-court game. Yeah, that, well, that was not one of Walt's better defensive games by any means. <laughs> Walt didn't have a lot of great defensive <laughs> yeah, games. No. But, yeah, uh, again, it, it's mostly what he brings. You know, he's not, not the flashiest guy, but Nebraska doesn't need flashy right now. They need a, a physical, tough, hard-working, low-post player, and that's exactly what he is. You know, he's a guy that's going to do all the little dirty work things that, you know, maybe David Rivers and, you know, Leslie Smith and Moses Abraham, those guys all kind of combine to do. Uh, and, you know, he's got experience. That's that's probably the biggest attribute he has. I mean, he's he's got he's played in a lot of Big Ten games. He played in 30 games last year with three starts, uh, and again was one of their key players off the bench. So uh, certainly, you know, on paper seems to fill a lot of uh, of the holes Nebraska's looking for uh, with that you know last remaining scholarship for 2015. Great work once again, Robin, on that story as Robin Washett broke the news that Max Bielfeld was in Lincoln uh, for his visit and. 
Um, we'll have more, obviously, on that uh, as things develop here. But uh, the other storyline basketball-wise, Robin, uh, was on the assistant coach front. Nebraska's been trying to replace Chris Harriman um, for the last few weeks, and a big name emerges and Rashawn Burno out of Florida. Obviously, you, you know the story with Billy Donovan taking the job with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, leave some pretty good assistant coaches there at Florida uh, without a home right now. Yeah, we're still waiting to see you know if this comes to fruition. But uh, enough national and uh, you know regional reporters have you know said their sources have been hearing this, and so it, there's certainly some legs to it. And uh, it might just be a matter of time before Rashawn Bruno ends up filling that void left by Chris Harriman. And uh, if that does happen. That's a huge coup for for Nebraska, just because on paper this guy brings everything that you could possibly look for in an assistant coach. He's 36 years old, young, ambitious, up and coming guy that fits exactly the mold of a Tim Miles assistant, and uh, he's coached at the highest level. I mean, obviously he worked under a two-time national champion in Billy Donovan, and uh, most impressive of all is in the last two years uh, when Florida, when he was working the scout on Florida's opponents, uh, the Gators were 21 and one in those games, and that included a win over Kansas and two NCAA tournament wins. Uh, so obviously he knows his X's and O's, but more importantly, it's the recruiting. Uh, you look at the names this guy has brought in to Florida, and which obviously, you know, it, you take it for what it's worth because you're recruiting to Florida, and, you know, Billy Donovan has a lot of say in that. But uh, the, the, Bruno was uh, the lead recruiter or heavily involved in the recruitment of guys. I'm just going to list some. Uh, 2015 four-star guard Kavon Allen, uh, five-star power forward uh, Devin Robinson in the 2014 class, who was a SEC freshman all-American. Uh, Brandon Francis, a four-star combo guard in the 2014 class, and he landed uh, Eli Carter, the, the Rutgers transfer, who ended up being a thousand-point scorer for him. So, uh, I mean, the guy has has a resume that just glows. And again, when you look about look at you know what Nebraska needed to get in replacing uh, Chris Harriman, who was a pretty valuable asset on that staff, uh, Rashawn Burno seems to fit everything you could ask for. You're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast, and hopefully that will kind of come to fruition, guys, uh, with both these stories, but uh, particularly the assistant coach one in, in Bruno. But, you know, another uh, storyline that developed on the basketball side, Dan, with um, a former Husker player, was this week in the NBA playoffs with Tyron Liu, um, the, the great Hall of Fame Nebraska point guard uh, who's now an assistant coach with the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers. Yeah, he actually, you know, may have had a big hand in kind of saving the Cavs in game four uh, against Chicago and helping them to to win that game. Um, Cleveland secured a rebound with about 10 seconds left, and David Blatt, the Cavs head coach, was trying to call a timeout. The Cavs did not have a timeout. This was a Chris Webber situation from back in the uh, the Final Four in the early 90s, and Teron Lue rushed out there and grabbed Blatt, was like, no, no, coach, we can't do that. And uh, on the ensuing possession, LeBron James ends up hitting the game-winning jump shot. So... You know, how much, you know, the refs might not have seen Blatt anyway, but as Nebraska fans, we can look at it and say, yeah, Tyron Lue just saved the Cavs season. Yeah, yeah Tyron Lue is a guy, too, I think that is a coaching he's, – he's on the rise. I mean, oh, absolutely. He, he was up for some head coaching jobs, um, you know, a couple years or within the last year. And it wouldn't be surprising, Dan, if he landed an NBA head job here sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. with I would be shocked if within four or five years he's not a head coach somewhere. There are a lot of rumors out there. You know, David Blatt is not the most loved coach that there is. And Teron Liu is a guy that the players really like. There are a lot of rumors out there from NBA guys that say – the players respect Lou more, and they'll listen to him in timeouts and stuff. You know, maybe some of that is just hearsay, but it's clear that you know he's his name has some cachet, and I think he made a great move 
going to the Cavs with LeBron where you can get some experience going deep into the playoffs like this. This is going to be huge. And there are going to be, you know, there are eight to ten jobs usually that open up every year. He's going to get looked at by several of those teams. Well, if LeBron James likes you, you're usually in pretty good shape. Yeah, doing something right. That's not going to hurt you. Well, when we come back here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast, we'll talk more NFL Huskers as several of the players that were drafted a week ago have signed their contracts. They're in mini camps, and we'll give you a rundown of kind of who's where and, and what's going on. That's next here on the HOL podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, it's been a busy week around the NFL with former Huskers as a week ago. We, as we know, three Huskers were drafted. Many signed free agent deals as well. And uh, we bring that into the HuskerOnline.com uh, podcast. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppen as we kind of give an idea of where guys are at. Let's start first with Amir Abdullah. Um, Danny signed his contract with the Detroit Lions this past week, uh, what, $4.1 million over four years. Um, pretty standard money for a second-round pick, um, but already leaving a pretty strong impression out there in Detroit. Oh, yeah, and I absolutely love this fit for him. The only thing I maybe don't like is Detroit doesn't have a great offensive line. They did spend their first-round pick on a guard, so that'll help a little bit. But, you know, Amir goes into a situation where, you know, there's not a, you know, a for sure, you know, running back just stud in front of him. Joyke Bell was their starter last year. You know, he's fine. He'll give you about three and a half, four yards a carry. He's okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if Amir is able to supplant him at sometime midseason. And another thing that I really, really like about Detroit that I think fits Amir's game amazingly is that they throw to their running backs a lot. They had three running backs last year that had 34 catches or more. So he's going to get a ton of chances to get the ball in his hands in space, which is something I didn't think Nebraska did enough with him. And uh, I think he's going to have some opportunities to really make some waves up in Detroit. Also, look for them to use him on special teams, too. You know, when he was drafted in the post-draft press conference, their front office raved about uh, his ability in the return game. And he's already taken uh, some punt return work uh, during minicamp. And uh, so I would expect that to be a way that he could impact as well, just kind of especially in the punt return game. Well, people forget his freshman year at Nebraska. He was maybe the best kick returner in the Big Ten. Um, he, he won the Fresno State game with the return that he had in that game. And Heck, the bowl game against USC. I mean, he got Nebraska to the midfield on almost every single one of his kick returns uh, to kind of help their offense out. So he is a very valuable guy in the return game. And uh, let's let's move on now uh, to Randy Gregory of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I don't know if he's actually signed yet, but he's gone through minicamp and practices, and um, he struggled through the first week um, in terms of just physical shape, uh, the the heat down in Dallas and whatnot. You know, just had some problems out there, and you hope for handy guys that um, he gets it turned around fast because there are definitely a lot of eyeballs on him um, kind of watching to see how he comes out of this with all the rumors and things out there about his name yeah that all that off the field stuff cost him a lot of money as you might expect 16 million dollars uh, yeah yeah certainly in the tens of millions of dollars so that, that was a, a pretty significant blow for him and uh, you know where he was drafted with that 60th overall pick you're looking at about an average of a 3.8 million dollar deal over four years so pretty similar to what Abdullah got so I mean you're going from you know potentially top 10 uh, contract of upwards around you know 15 16 million to you know 3.8 so that's that's what he's got to deal with right now he kind of dug his own hole and now it's up to him uh, to get himself out there and earn some money down the road 
The thing that I really like about his situation down in Dallas, though, is his defensive coordinator now is Rod Marinelli. And there are not very many coaches in the NFL who are better at working with um, not just defensive linemen, but pass rushers in general. He has done a really good job over the years at developing guys like Randy Gregory. So he's going to have every opportunity. They're going to do what they can to um, help Randy, you know, help himself. You just hope that he, he's learned from all this and, and can grow up and he gets the help that he needs. I think that's the biggest thing is he needs some help, some professional help with whatever he's dealing with. And now that it's all out there publicly, it's not private. I felt like at Nebraska, people knew that he needed some kind of help, but it was kept so quiet because everybody was afraid that they didn't want to be the guy that cost him the money. Well, he's lost himself that money now. It's it's done with. So get the guy the help he needs and and, and, and get it figured out because he's obviously a talent, and I hope Randy can, uh, can get it figured out. You're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We're talking – Husker players now in the NFL with rookie minicamps. And another guy who's looked impressive and has also signed is Kenny Bell in Tampa Bay. And I've read many reports, guys, that uh, number one draft pick Jameis Winston has connected with Kenny Bell on some practices. And the local media down there um, in Tampa have been impressed with Kenny Bell. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're a six-round pick and you come in, you know, you understand that if you don't have a good camp, you could get cut pretty easily. But it looks like Kenny's off to a very good start. And you know, you kind of look at Tampa's roster and you say, okay, what kind of guys is he competing with here? Obviously, Tampa's got Mike Evans. They've got Vincent Jackson. Those are two... Thousand-yard receivers. Yeah, those are two stud NFL receivers. I'm looking at the rest of this list. There's not a whole lot going on there. I mean, you can point to maybe a young guy like Tavares King out of Georgia. Uh, you know, Lewis Murphy's a veteran. There's not a lot of names on this list. If Kenny's able to make the team, you know, he could have a shot to, to have some kind of a role in this offense. And, you know, we talked about Amir with the special teams. Kenny can do that, too. Yeah, and when... When you're a late round pick, that's huge. You got to be able kicks. to do that. He yep. can cover punts too. I mean, he was a very good gunner at Nebraska, running down and, and getting to the guys. And you wouldn't think of him as a hitter, but we know he can hit because oh, yeah. uh, we've seen him make some hits. Um, in <laughs> As blocking. Wisconsin, uh-huh. as Wisconsin, they made a rule for Kenny Bell. And with such limited rosters in the NFL, those small roster sizes, if you're going to be one of those fringe guys on the active roster, you have to be able to play special teams. You got to be able to be a gunner, or you've got to be able to block um, on return units. And Kenny's shown that, yeah, he can do that stuff, and he's willing to do it. Yeah, and as far as contract details go, uh, I think it was reported he's making about $2.28 million with, you know, average about 570 a year. So uh, certainly, you know, a, a good deal, standard deal for a fifth-round pick, and uh, it's just, it seems like the future is bright for Kenny in Tampa. Hey, another former Husker um, that got moved, he moved teams this week was Alfonso Dennard. Um, he was released by the New England Patriots after, after being a very good corner for them, but Clearly, Bill Belichick saw some things that he didn't care for, and they they sent him loose, and now he's with the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Alfonso fits in with a new team. Yeah, it was really weird to see the Patriots um, let go of Alfonso just because they've already lost a couple cornerbacks this season. They cut Kyle Arrington as well the other day. Mm -hmm. So their cornerback depth chart is all kinds of screwed up right now. But apparently, you know, for whatever reason, uh, we don't really know why they decided to – no one really knows why Bill Belichick does the things that he does, but it usually works out for him. And Jonas Gray had, what, 300 yards rushing in a game or two-something and then didn't play the rest of the season. Exactly. Uh, those j- things just seem to work out for him. But, yeah, I mean, you hope that uh, you hope that Alfonso is able to resurrect his career um, down in Arizona. That's a defense that has been very good over the last couple of years. Uh, you get a chance to play alongside a guy like Patrick Peterson that – 
usually doesn't hurt. You're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast and a few other guys that are in mini camps right now, Robin. Josh Mitchell with the Indianapolis Colts, Zaire Anderson with the Denver Broncos, Trevor Roach with the Cincinnati Bengals, and then Jake Cotton is with the Houston Texans. Um, anything on those guys either you want to add? I mean, from what you're hearing, or you know, they're not wearing pads at these mini camps, it's helmets only. Um, type of workouts, but you, you, you have to think all these guys hopefully can at least get into training camp in August. Yeah, I'll let Dan handle the Josh Mitchell since I'm sure he's on the Colts pulse with, with all, all the, the Colts message there, boards. But, uh, I know that I did see something on Zaire Anderson about him flashing, you know, making some plays, and I really think that he's got a chance to to stick in Denver. You know, just because you know I've mentioned this before the. The, you know Denver kind of thrives on those smaller linebackers the speedy linebackers they, they don't have the traditional you know big uh, uh, Brian Urlacher types they, they, they get the you know the, the kind of guys that can fit their their scheme and I think Zaire is kind of in that mold so uh, let's I'm kind of I'm rooting for him because I think that he's got a real chance to stick you know maybe another one of those special teams guys that you know can can provide some depth uh, at linebacker but uh, certainly he's got a chance to do something over there Unfortunately, I'm not quite as optimistic on uh, Josh Mitchell's prospects. Uh, cornerback is one of the Colts' deeper positions, and you know we we know Josh. He's a very feisty guy. Uh, he's going to work his butt off out there. But I mean, Nebraska's got him listed at 5'11", 160. That's very generous. I mean, Josh is probably closer to five nine, maybe. I mean, there just aren't very many guys who can play cornerback in the NFL at that size. You love his heart. I think he does have some good ability, but you know, at this level, you have to be just on another level athletically if you're going to make it on that. Realistically, that for that group of players, practice squad is kind of what you're hoping yes. for. Just get in there and get in the system. And was eight players make a practice team, or is it, is it bigger than that now? It's eight, yeah. And you get paid, you know, it's still a hundred grand a year or something. It's good money, yeah. And you're with the team, and and, and if a, an injury or something happens, you know, at least you're. You're there and you're around. Maybe you get activated. So if a couple of those guys can land on a practice squad, I think that would be a success. You know, if, if one of them got an actual roster spot, that would be quite an upset, uh, meaning that you would beat out a lot of players that you weren't supposed to beat out in the eyes of the scouting departments of the league. So it should be interesting to follow, guys, uh, all of these players uh, as they go through these mini camps and kind of see where things develop. When we get back here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast, we will shift over to baseball and we'll try to figure out what's wrong uh, with this team as they go out to Illinois and play one of the hottest teams in the country. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Shifting over here to baseball now on the HOL podcast. Welcome back here to the show, Sean Callahan and Dan Hoppen. As we try to figure out what's been going on with this Husker baseball team, uh, maybe the low point, for sure the low point of this season was this past weekend, Dan, as Nebraska lost two of three teams to Purdue. And this is not the Purdue that won the Big Ten a couple no, of years ago. not at all. This is the Purdue team that maybe one of the worst major conference baseball teams in America. Uh, going into the weekend, they had, what, just four conference wins total? Two. I think that puts it into perspective. They had two conference wins coming into the weekend, and then they come to Nebraska and win just as many conference games, you know, just in a three-game set. And what was the, the mindset after the games? I mean, when you get beat two out of three, it's senior weekend for Nebraska at home. It just – 
what what was your feel around these guys? Are they still bought in? Do they care? I mean, what's the body language? Not not what they're saying on the microphone, but what's your read on the body language? I, I definitely think that they still care. But after both those losses, just going down on the field and, and waiting to interview uh, Coach Erstad, they look shell-shocked. I mean, guys are just sitting in the dugout just kind of, you know, staring off into space. There's not a lot of chatter, um, you know, not a whole lot of uh, just – just guys being loose everyone looks tight every you know people I, I think they understand you know the situation that they're in and and uh, a lot of their preseason goals have kind of gone by the wayside now now they're just you know fighting to get in the big 10 tournament which it was you know expected at the beginning of the year they could potentially be the number one seed in this thing so right now I think they're just trying to um, on Twitter I compared them to to Rocky getting beat up by Clubber Lang in that first Clubber Lang fight where he comes in and, you know, he, he kind of thinks he's hot stuff and Clubber beats the heck out of him and he's just kind of picking himself off the canvas and trying to figure out what happened. I feel like, Dan, that we almost got a, a false sense or this team got a false sense of who they were after the Cal State Fullerton in Texas week. They mm-hmm. took they took four out of five games over two blue blood college baseball programs. But right now, when you look at those two teams, uh, they're not in the tournament. They're mm-hmm. they're not great teams. I mean, they're good teams, but not great teams. And I think Nebraska felt like those wins were just going to automatically lead to wins in the Big Ten. Well, and they also swept Michigan before that. But Michigan had a couple guys injured. The, the Michigan team that Nebraska beat is not the same one that's playing right now. It's much better. So, yeah, I, I think Nebraska probably did get a little – um, overinflated sense of self from some of those wins, but also they were playing a lot better baseball back then. I mean, the offense has pretty much been, you know, at the same level all year, kind of average to, you know, maybe a little below average, but the pitching was just performing so well at that point, not just the starters, but the bullpen was absolutely magnificent. And, you know, we've kind of seen that offense stay at the same level, but that pitching has come down a little bit. They haven't been otherworldly. And, you know, we've seen what's happened. Nebraska, they've lost uh, 12 of their last 18 conference games. And the road does not get any easier, Dan. No. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's talked about the last couple of years how good Indiana was. Mm-hmm. But when you look at this Illinois team ranked in the top 10, in the top five in some of the polls right now, 43-6-1, and 19-1 in the Big Ten. Ro- won 24 games in a row. And Darren Erstad even made a football reference. They scored 28 points or 28 runs last week. In their in their win uh, on Sunday, and he goes, "Heck, uh, we might need to bring Tommy Armstrong and Amir Abdullah <laughs> and a kicker to get some extra points if uh, we play the way we've played this past week." Is Illinois going to light us up? Uh huh. Well, yeah, Darren, he was pretty hot after that uh, <laughs> when he was saying those quotes after Sunday's loss to Purdue. So he was uh, he was kind of half joking and <laughs> half serious when he was saying that. But yeah. I mean, this is not a good team for Nebraska to be facing right now. Yeah, I'm just going to be completely honest. You know, you you would hope in a situation like this, Nebraska would get a chance to play, um, you know, kind of a lower tier team to maybe try and turn around and figure a some things buster. out. <laughs> well, guess what? They just had their slump buster opportunity. You're playing Purdue at home and you lost to them too. So your reward for kind of dropping that series is you get to go to Illinois, who is red hot and one of the best teams in the country. This is a buzzsaw that Nebraska is walking into. And it's so hard to put a finger on because they played those six games with Northwestern and Purdue and 
everybody thought, hey, they can maybe go five and one in this mm-hmm. stretch, four and two at worst. Well, they go three and three, and and yeah, it's not going to get it done. And and that that that's just what is hard to to figure out. And the RPI wise, Dan, uh, Nebraska down to forty four. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're still in in RPI contention for a tournament spot, but their body of work against their peers, against other weekend pitching, against other tournament foes is not good. I mean, that RPI, in my opinion, is where it's at because of midweek success, not really conference success. Absolutely, yeah. I I agree with you completely. You know, we, we've talked about um, how much they've struggled in conference play. Um, you, you look at their record against uh, top 50 RPI teams, 2-11. and 11. You know, that, that that's not going to get there. You're, you're not winning games against good teams, and that's something that, you know, the, the committee is going to look at after the season when they're trying to figure out what teams to put in the postseason – Nebraska just doesn't have a very good resume right now. That RPI is high, um, but you know it, it's not that high. There, there are teams every year that miss the tournament with that kind of a ranking. It really, you know, it, it's not high enough to make a great case for Nebraska anymore. And it's an early series this week. They play Thursday, Friday, Saturday to accommodate travel. Is that right? To Minneapolis for a lot of teams to yes. give them some extra days. And uh, the first game, Nebraska, if Nebraska gets in, which you know they're they're not in yet, but they'd no. be they'd be the eight or the seven. Is that right? Uh, I believe they're they're locked into eight seed. I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, but I think, you know, with Nebraska in the position that it is, I think it would be happy to. So take they would the basically seed. be seeing Illinois, you know, and who knows? Illinois might save their Friday guy and not throw him in Minneapolis against Nebraska. They might throw a midweek guy against Nebraska if if Nebraska has a lot of success or if they have a lot of success this weekend. It's hard to say what they'll do. Yeah, I, I mean, there's certainly potential for that, but I can tell you, looking at Illinois' other starters, even if you're not facing their ace, you're facing some pretty good guys. And what what's and this is a team a year ago. I know everyone thought it would be Nebraska and Illinois as the two best teams, in, along with Maryland as the new team. But what has this team done to to improve from where they were at a year ago, Illinois? Uh, you know, I think that you know a lot of their pieces. They've kind of been that team that's kind of been lurking in the weeds. You know, the last couple of years they've kind of been that that three, four, five seed in in the Big Ten where. You know, they haven't kind of been the Indiana or the Nebraska or Maryland coming in this year, you know, the teams that have garnered a lot of attention, but they've been talented and they've been kind of, you know, on the up and up over the last couple of years. And this year, you know, they, they peaked. They had a lot of their guys break out. Uh, you know, some of their younger guys became veterans and, you know, that's kind of the blueprint. That's the recipe that you look for. And that's kind of what Nebraska has to hope that it can do sometime in these next couple seasons. And Dan, to get in the tournament, Nebraska needs to win at least one, but if they could lose all three and still get in two, right? Yes. Um, if they lose all three this weekend, then they need uh, both Penn State and Minnesota to uh, to not sweep their opponents. So basically, N- Nebraska's pretty much in. It would be a major, major upset if they didn't make uh, the Big Ten tournament. It should be interesting to follow uh, two games on Thursday, Friday are at 6, I believe. Yes. And then the Saturday game is at 2, and, and no changes on the rotation. They're going to keep the same three guys. They're keeping the same three guys. We're rolling with them. Live by the three, die by the three. <laughs> and, you know, and, and Sinclair and Kubat, Kubat, I feel bad for that guy. He's just not got any run support, and, and hopefully he can get some run support here. 14 runs Nebraska scored in his last seven starts. I mean, that's, that's incredibly low for a guy who – you know, he's got a sub three ERA. He's pitched very well this year. And, uh, I mean, you could tell he was just all kinds of torn up on Saturday, losing to Purdue. 
He pitched he pitched great. Pitched into the eighth inning, uh, only gave up two runs, but ended up taking. He was you know he was kind of the hard luck loser there because Nebraska's offense once again just didn't give him anything. Well, thank you very much, Dan. We'll talk more baseball hopefully next week before you take off to Minneapolis. Hopefully you're going to Minneapolis next week. And we're, we're not re- <laughs> recapping and, and wrapping up this season. We come back here on the podcast. We'll bring Nate Klaus in and uh, we'll talk uh, recruiting and, and discuss if Nebraska will take two quarterbacks here in this year's recruiting class. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan here. Now we bring back Nate Klaus to the program, our lead recruiting analyst and writer here for HOL. As we kind of look at the direction Nebraska is going to go in this 2016 recruiting class with quarterback. You, you look at it right now, Nate, they've gotten one quarterback commit and Terry Wilson. They brought in another guy this past weekend um, and Patrick O'Brien, uh, a kid out of California. Um, and they've told Patrick O'Brien they will take two if it's the right two. And uh, when you look at it right now, do you definitely do you think that's the direction they want to go in this class is if they can get two? There's no question they want to they want to bring in two quarterbacks, um, and really they spent the first week of the spring evaluation period going out and evaluating these guys in person, and they settled on Terry Wilson and Patrick O'Brien as the two guys that they were really going to go after uh, that that had all the tools that that they felt like would fit in the system. And uh, obviously, we know how things worked out with Terry Wilson. He committed a couple weeks later. Uh, had always been kind of a Nebraska fan since he visited last uh, June. Um, and Patrick O'Brien and his family were just on campus this past weekend and had a terrific visit. Um, so, I mean, absolutely, they want to take two guys um, as long as it's, like you said, the right two. You know, and they have five right now, Nate, on scholarship that will still be back. There's not one senior scholarship quarterback on the roster. So if you take two... Theoretically, there would be seven on scholarship, but I think when you look at it, odds are all five of those guys, you have to kind of think that one of them at least won't be back going forward. I would be shocked if if all five of those guys came back, plus the the two incoming guys. You know, I just I the writing is definitely on the wall with a couple of those guys. You you, you know it is, and uh, if they feel you know if, if they're competitive guys and they feel like they are going to uh, you know want a shot to play, you you have to think that they would kind of explore their options and and maybe we'd hear about something you know some sort of transfer here you know, in the near future. You're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We're talking recruiting and quarterbacks here with Nate Klaus. And you, you look at Terry Wilson, Nate, out of Dell City, Oklahoma, and he's a he's an athlete. He, he runs, uh, as we've talked about, uh, he's one of the better 200-meter runners in the state of Oklahoma, 22-1, is that right, mm-hmm. uh, in his 200. So it, let me ask you this. Is he somebody – that could play other positions if quarterback didn't work out. I think he is somebody that, that could play other positions, but um, you know, what's different about Terry Wilson is that, you know, with a lot of other dual threat quarterbacks, you know, quote unquote, dual threat quarterbacks, those guys are, are athletes playing quarterback. Well, Terry Wilson is a quarterback who just so happens to be an athlete. So, I mean, he, he's a true quarterback. Now he's not a, a polished product by any means just yet, but um, you know, it's not like he's uh they they moved him from wide receiver to to play you know quarterback just because they wanted their best athlete at that position, um, so he's a true quarterback and and I don't foresee him you know making a switch to another position once he gets to Nebraska unless something drastic happened. Well, then you look at Patrick O'Brien. What kind of quarterback is he? Is he kind of on the polar opposite of 
uh, a Terry Wilson when, when you look at what style he brings to the table? Well, I wouldn't say he's a, a polar opposite, but what Patrick O'Brien brings is, um, you know, he has a strong arm just like Terry Wilson. He probably throws the deep ball a little bit better than Terry Wilson. Uh, what's interesting is Patrick O'Brien is 6'3", 230 pounds. Terry Wilson's 6'3", 190 pounds. So um, O'Brien's a little bit bigger guy, but he rushed for uh, over 550 yards more than Terry Wilson did uh, last year, and he, he had 13 touchdowns on the ground. So uh, he's not a he's not a great runner by any means, but uh, he was more productive as a runner, you know, within the system over there. I still almost don't believe that on Terry Wilson because when you watch the film on this guy, it looks like he's busting off big runs, and he finished with under 200 rushing yards on the season, which yeah. is hard to imagine. Yeah, but if you if you watch the film, there's only a couple times where where he busts off a couple big runs and. Um, and really, I mean, he only had 55 rushing attempts for 195 yards. So, I mean, a couple of those, you know, a couple of those. And those runs, are sacks in there, too, probably. Yeah, and sacks are obviously factored in there, too. So, uh, but what I love about Terry Wilson is uh, he he always has his eyes down the field. He He's always extending the play with his feet and using his athleticism to, to extend the play. But he's not the, the type of guy that's going to pull the ball down and try to make something happen with his legs right away. Uh, he's always looking to, to use his arm first and that's what's intriguing because I think you look at it initially like oh it's another Taylor Martinez type guy that that's looking to run before maybe the check down or looking to run before making that extra throw and and you mentioned he's a guy that is gonna keep that play alive so it it is a different type of quarterback um, you know than maybe a Taylor Martinez or someone that Nebraska fans have been used to as a runner yeah it's not even close there's no really there's no comparison between Taylor Martinez and Terry Wilson whatsoever we're talking recruiting here on the HOL podcast. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. Uh, when you look at this class, Nate, there's a lot of guys that are very close uh, to, to committing. I mean, Nebraska got some momentum last week with the two commitments, uh, but there's a handful of others. And I know this week on the site, um, we've had a couple stories. Give us an idea of a couple names to watch right now. Well, the first guy to, to really keep an eye on is Quayshawn Alexander, who's an outside linebacker out of New Jersey out of DePaul Catholic in Wayne, New Jersey. And, um, you know, and this kind of came out of the blue. You know, he picked up an offer from Nebraska a couple months ago, and Trent Bray has been doing an excellent job of recruiting him. And and he has, uh, I mean, he has 15, close to 20 other offers too. But um, he's definitely fallen in love with Nebraska. He's changed all of his, everything he talks about is Nebraska on social media. He's changed his Twitter profile saying that he's, He's living in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he's never been here yet. he's never visited. So, I mean, it's pretty rare. I, I haven't really spoken with too many guys, um, especially like out-of-state players, who are so enthusiastic about the program, about Nebraska, that know as much about the tradition and the history and, and even the city of Lincoln itself as Quayshon Alexander does. So I think that speaks to uh, – to obviously his enthusiasm about the program, but also speaks to the the job that Trent Bray has done recruiting him. And he's come out uh, and said just this week that he's going to be announcing officially on Monday. Uh, so Nebraska should be uh, adding Quayshon Alexander as, a, as an outside linebacker to the class on Monday. Trent Bray's not a real flamboyant, flashy guy on social media. Kind of keeps a low profile, but as we've seen, this guy does work. He grinds, and he can identify. 
he can identify and and he's a young guy so he i think he connects very fast and very well with a lot of these with a lot of these recruits he's a former player and now nfl he's a, nfl he's a coach uh so he's gone through this process not too long ago uh, and he's been a, a player in college and and i think that his experiences and his uh his youth really really helps him out on the recruiting trail well and you think about it he, he was in oregon state and he handled a lot of Texas for them, but now he's out of New Jersey. So he really has done well in other territories too. That That's what's impressed me is that you put this guy anywhere and it seems like he's able to hold his own, even though he's maybe not as familiar with some of these places. Yeah, well, I think Hank Hughes is is kind of the, the territory coach for Quayshon Alexander, but Trent Bray has kind of taken things over uh, as as their relationship has grown. And, uh, I mean, those two are pretty much joined at the hip. You know, Quayshon told me that, that he speaks with uh, Coach Bray, you know, multiple times a week and, uh, um, and that he was getting you know, Coach Bray in touch with his mother. And that's kind of the been the whole hang up here was his mother uh she wanted him to take some visits didn't want him to commit early uh, but uh now that she's getting closer to being on board i think we're going to see him uh pull the trigger on monday yeah you would think too that he'd be one of those guys that would be up here for big red weekend or one of those types of events and then going forward he could be somebody that really helps your recruiting class with that passion where he you know, tries to recruit and spread that word to other kids. No doubt. His passion about the program uh, was definitely going to catch some other kids' attention. And he's a high-profile guy out of New Jersey. He's an All-State player, had 19-and-a-half sacks last year as a junior. Uh, so people know in New Jersey, people know who Quayshon Alexander is. And, and with, uh, with his passion for the program, he's going to get some other kids to take a look at the Huskers. When we come back here on the HOL podcast, we'll close the show as we talk some in-state recruiting, a lot to debate now with guys like Ben Stilley and Noah Fan as far as where things are going. That's next here. You're listening to the HOL podcast. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Earlier in the show, we talked about Kind of the big storylines going on in Nebraska recruiting. Now we're going to shift our talk over to the in-state and the 500-mile radius as a lot of developments have happened uh, just the last couple of weeks. Uh, a new in-state offer uh, to Ben Stilley from Ashland Greenwood, Nate. Uh, as, as we look at you know in-state offers, everyone's always interested. And this is one that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week. We kind of knew it was going to come. It basically happened right after we taped our podcast. But Nebraska offers Ben Stilley, and, and my interpretation is – they don't want another version of Drew Rott. They, they see Iowa, they came in with an offer, and they said, you know what, we better get in front of this. We don't want to send the message that we're just going to let Iowa take quality players from Nebraska. No doubt. I, I think that's the probably the, the most sensical way of looking at it. Um, Obviously, he's a great player. Uh, he comes from a C1 program, so sometimes I mean, you, you might question the competition, but there's no questioning uh, his his attributes and his physical ability when you look at um, you know his measurables, uh, what he's accomplished on that level, uh, the fact that he's a, a state champion wrestler. And then you add in the fact that he's starting to pick up some other attention, uh, some other offers from programs like Iowa. And I think it's just a no-brainer that, that Nebraska comes in with an offer at this time. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. He visited Lincoln this week and uh, spent an hour with Mike Riley, had a lot of time to sit down. But uh, talking to Ryan Thompson, the head coach of Ashland Greenwood, uh, Ben wants to hold it out maybe to camp and have a chance to work 
with the defensive line coach, Hank Hughes, get to know him more because Hank Hughes was not obviously in the office uh, this week because it's it's recruiting time. Um, so I think that's the only thing delaying it. But I would be shocked, Nate, if this kid does not commit here um, in the next month. Yeah, when when he talked with us after the offer, he said, you know, that that's a dream offer for me. And, you know, you talked to him about, uh, you know, what his – what his uh, camp plans were following uh, that offer. You know, and previously he was planning on hitting up you know five or six different camps. Uh, after the offer, he said, you know, I really don't know what what's going to happen now. I know for sure I'll be going to Nebraska, and then we'll just kind of see. So, you know, reading the tea leaves, it, it looks like that you know he's going to be making a commitment. Uh, and and like you said, probably just wants to get a chance to get to know uh, Hank Hughes a little bit better and work with him one on one. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus were talking in-state recruiting story lines here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. The other guy's Noah Fant, and he visited Vanderbilt unofficially. He's obviously been in Nebraska many a times. He's been to Iowa. I think he's been to Iowa State. The question I have now is, what's he waiting for? You have to think uh, the time is getting closer. I don't know of any other visits really scheduled for Noah Fant at this point. So I think Nebraska is actually probably getting a little anxious on this one, too. They, they would like him to, to make a decision here soon. I'm sure that they are because – uh, of all the in-state guys, you know, it seems like Noah Fant really, uh, you know, caught the attention, the personal attention recruiting-wise of, of the head coach. You know, Mike Riley personally has made it his goal to recruit Noah Fant, has been very involved in the process, uh, which you don't typically see, for, you know, from, for a lot of guys. So uh, I'm sure that Nebraska is wondering, okay, when's this going to happen? You know, what more can we do here? Uh, but I do think that it will happen sooner than later. A couple other names I'll throw out there, uh, and we've talked about him a little bit from his time in St. Louis. David Engelhop at Norfolk Catholic continues to rise. I know Wyoming um, was up there, South Dakota State's offered, but I think it's a matter of time when he gets some offers. And Alec Cromer, uh, the quarterback out of Beatrice, I don't know if he's going to obviously fall in the Nebraska category, uh, but don't be surprised if Alec Cromer uh, picks up maybe a Wyoming offer as well, as uh, there are a number of good in-state guys out there that uh, are being evaluated this month, Nate. Yeah, I think David Engelhop is, is probably that kid who's really flying under the radar. After seeing him in person a couple of times now, especially in that camp setting down out in St. Louis, he's just, I mean, he looks like a, a big-time Division One football player, has the athleticism. Uh, I mean, he's a 15-flat, 15-1 in the 110 high hurdles. I mean, he's just a tremendous athlete. I think he's a good student. Uh, and really is just, uh, for whatever reason, has kind of flown under the radar. But now all of a sudden, South Dakota State comes in, uh, Wyoming. I know Nebraska has started to communicate with them. Uh, Minnesota has been in the picture as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Iowa schools come in. And um, I think after some camp performances, uh, David Engelhop's going to be a kid that really blows up. A couple of other younger guys that are in the 2017 class I've been hearing a lot about, uh, Brock Bando at Lincoln Southeast and then Sterling Smith. I know both of those guys have gotten a lot of attention this spring. Coaches have already been looking at them. And uh, if you're a Husker fan, those are two guys, I think, to watch going forward. No doubt about that. I mean, just physically, those guys, they you, they look like Division One football players. I think they both have uh, a little bit more of a growth to go in terms of becoming an all-around athlete, all-around player. Uh, I know Sterling Smith, uh, I mean, his athleticism is off the charts, but he's kind of battled some injuries, so you're hoping that, that he can put together a, a, a healthy junior season. And then Brock Bando, I think, is just a guy. He grows every time we see yeah, him. Yeah, he gets bigger and bigger, has like a size 18 shoe. I mean, this kid is a monster, and I think 
uh, he's just kind of growing into his body. I think every time you see him, uh, he's looking more and more fluid, uh, more of, more like an athlete. And uh, like you said, just, just gets bigger every time you see him. So these are two guys that are really going to be on the radar, uh, along with uh, Brett Cottrell out of Ashland. Sticking in the in the 500-mile radius, JoJo Dolman uh, visited Arizona State, Nate, and that, that's kind of been the thorn in Nebraska's side in recruiting as far as – uh, they seem to fight over the same guys, and, and uh, the Sun Devils, not surprising at all, left a, a solid impression on, on Doman this week. They've got a lot of momentum going down there in Tempe. They've, they've got some great facilities already. They're renovating their stadium and, and adding on to a lot of those facilities. Obviously, you have uh, you know you have the. Um, the sun and the palm trees and and the and the girls and the uh, girls let's, let's yeah, call a spade a spade a lot of a lot of co-ed talent down there <laughs> so uh, I mean there's a lot of extra things that that uh, you know Arizona State has that Nebraska may not can Todd Graham just get a new headset though I mean that little telemarketer yeah, that, headset that he wears that's come annoying on. that's a little bit annoying <laughs> but. Um, the thing about Jojo Doman, though, is, I mean, his dad's a sports agent. Uh, they've been through this this process before. They're very football savvy. They're very smart. They're not going to be swayed by, you know, any of that extra stuff. And uh, and I think they can see through some of the BS. I'm not saying that Todd Graham is a BS artist, uh, but, you know, uh, let me put it this way. Avery Anderson and, and Jojo Doman are best friends. They come out of the same high school. Avery Anderson was committed to Arizona State at one point in time. He's now on campus, uh, has been on campus uh, in Lincoln for you know over a semester. So uh, we know how that ended up. I, I think that Nebraska is still sitting you know fairly good right here. I think the school you have to worry about is probably Stanford. Or Michigan. Or Michigan. Uh, either one of those two schools come in with an offer here shortly. That might shake things up. But right now I'm feeling pretty confident about Nebraska and then another another guy Nate out of Kansas City in the Kansas City area uh, Bo Wilson an offensive lineman undersized um, but you know it, it, I think this kid fits the kind of guy Kavanaugh Mike Kavanaugh the offensive line coach in Nebraska really likes yeah he doesn't have the the measurables the the desirable measurables uh, that maybe you're looking for you know he's a he's a legit six foot two 285 pound guy uh, but he's very athletic, very strong kid. Uh, he's been coached extremely well. He comes out of Lee Summit West High School, and we all know uh, uh, Monte Harrison's high school. Uh, but but this is a, a program that traditionally pumps out you know uh, several D1 players every year. And the the head coach Royce Bame is uh, is an off- former offensive lineman. He's a great offensive line coach. Uh, and, he, and his offensive linemen that he churns out of that program are, are very well coached and they're technicians. And, and Bo Wilson, although he may not be that, that, that desirable 6'5", 300-pound guy, he's very athletic and he is mean and, and he's tough. I'm, I'm telling you, Nate, I, I think it makes so much more sense to get your offensive linemen from the Midwest. Don't go to Texas and California and Florida and Canada to find offensive linemen at Nebraska. Get them right here. And, and that's why I like this. Um, I, I think the kids in the Midwest are just tougher, blue-collar, cold-weather guys. And I, I like the idea of what Mike Cavanaugh is trying to do to, to find more Midwest players. And you look at what what Mike Cavanaugh is kind of putting together here. You've got John Raritan out of Des Moines uh, that's already committed. You Brian Brokop out of Illinois. I say that one loosely. Yeah, well, we'll he's see. He's still committed. He's still committed, uh, but but he's out of Illinois. Uh, you watch the film on both those guys. They're both mean and nasty players. Um, Matt Farniak is obviously the number one remaining uh, guy, offense, on the board guy on the board overall. Guy on the board overall, yeah, out of Sioux Falls. I mean, he's 
He's a, a player that, that Nebraska really, really has put everything uh, into. They, they can't afford to really lose him. So, And then maybe a guy like Bo Wilson, all of a sudden you've got you know four offensive linemen all from right in the Midwest, and they all have the same characteristics. They're all, they're all tough kids, uh, hard-nosed players, and, and they play with a mean streak. Well, it should be another busy week. Make sure you stick on HuskerOnline.com as we'll have plenty of coverage, obviously, of the recruiting, uh, the baseball this weekend against Illinois, and obviously the, the latest on basketball. Thanks again for joining us here on another edition of the HOL Podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 